One night in 1971 on a lonely North Carolina highway, a head-on car crash cost a young driver his family and very nearly his life. His doctors were sure he would never move again, but he triumphed over his disability and went on to become the wildest hero of all. Because he's real. Stanley presents The Human Fly. The Comic Book Time Machine presents Marvel's Cosmic Comics, exploring Marvel's licensed sci-fi and fantasy during the Star Wars period. Episode 66, Dark as a Dungeon Down in the Mine, Human Fly, issue number 10, June 1978. Hello, time travelers. It's me, Ben, Ben Avery, here once again to take a trip through time to 1978. The Human Fly issue number 10 has a cover date of June 1978, but it was released two shelves March 7th of 1978, according to Mike's Amazing World of Comics, that amazing, amazing resource that was put on the web specifically for podcasters like me, who need obscure details about obscure titles. Now, of course, there are the more popular titles up on Mike's Amazing World of Comics. Sure, Amazing Spider-Man, they're all there. Action Comics featuring Superman, it's all there. But The Human Fly is also there with his, you know, couple years of of comics from, from Marvel. And, of course, this is the wildest superhero ever because he's real. And more on that when we get to the letters page for what happens next. But let's talk about this issue. On the cover, it says, it's dark as a dungeon down in the mine. And we can see human fly swimming as rocks are falling past him. He is holding in his arm a miner of some sort. You can tell by his hat. And then there's also some wooden beams that are that are there, just there, uh, you know, setting the scene for us. And I'll I'll admit, you know what? The cover, it's kind of an exciting cover. It's a well-done cover. It's not busy. It's not wild. It's not, uh, you know, completely ridiculous or anything like that. It's just plain there. And it's good. It's, it's a good cover. Is it a great cover? No, no. Like if uh, I were compiling a list of the best covers ever, this would be one of the best covers ever on the the human fly. <laughs> but, you know, it, it just it does its job well. You have a hero who's doing something heroic and there's things happening around him, but not too much. And this is a welcome change from the covers that we've had recently with the human fly. The question is, is it a welcome change in general? Is it a welcome change? Will this issue, judging it by its cover... Will this issue be a welcome change? We've had some stinkers with Human Fly. I am not going to sugarcoat it at all. Now, him being a Human Fly, maybe he would appreciate the sugar, but uh, man, yeah, I'm not going to sugarcoat things. It hasn't been great. 
And there's a lot of potential with this character, as I've talked about many, many times. But at this point, late 70s, superheroics, it's a stuntman who is real. You know, I'm, I'm not expecting this to be, you know, one of the greatest titles of all time. I mean, we got some good comics from the 70s. I don't necessarily want the human fly to be some of those great, amazing titles that you think of when you think of, you know, you know, Green Lantern and Green Arrow or, or the, well, maybe that's, is that the sixties? I mean, to check up and see, but you know, some of the amazing runs that they had on like action comics and, and those kind of things. No, I don't expect that. I just want a good read and something that's not going to insult my intelligence. Something that's not going to make me feel angry. And so we have this issue. It's dark as a dungeon down in the mine. As you probably guessed, this has to do with miners. Uh, the Human Fly is doing an exhibition at the United Mine Workers Fair. And so they're all around, standing around. He's doing a high dive into a pool. You know, actually one of those things, kind of a cliche uh, from cartoons and stuff where you have the people go up, you know, a mile up into the air. They have a little tiny diving board that they jump off of and they land in a bucket, you know, and. But then right before they land, you know, Bugs Bunny scoots the bucket over and they just land right in the dirt. And so they're, you know, all the way up to their feet or something like that now. And I'll be quite honest, um, I consider this a cliche stunt, not because I've seen it so many times, but because I've seen it in pop culture so many times in comics and uh, not in comic books, but in like comic strips and uh, you know, cartoons, Looney Tunes and that kind of thing. I haven't ever experienced it in real life. I, I look at that and I look at them doing that and I think to myself, that is ridiculous. That's uh, obviously an exaggeration in those cartoons. Uh, only to find out after reading this here and then checking it out, uh, it's not an exaggeration when they're like jumping into the super shallow pools. Um, and I watched a YouTube video actually where a guy had a GoPro camera strapped to his chest as he did it. It's terrifying. It is terrifying. And then to find out how it works... You're basically doing a belly flop. You're basically trying to spread out your body as much as possible to be able to um, get your decelerate your fall as quickly as possible. So that's why they're able to land from these great heights in, you know, four to eight feet of water or even less sometimes with, you know, 80 to 140 feet in the air or something like that. I mean, it's just crazy, crazy. And uh, so... Human Fly is doing this, and his audience isn't all that impressed until he launches himself back up out of the pool, all the way up to his starting point up on the ladder. So he that that impresses them, and and lifts their spirits a little bit because they're and their spirits are down because quite possibly the mine is going to be closed very soon. And so we move from the stunt over to where Joe Shields and his son are confronting the mine owners and their own union rep who is on the side of the mine owners. And the mine owners are going to be closing down the mine. And the reason for this, they need to close down the mine before the federal government comes and inspects. And so the company wants to avoid safety violations and citations, but in order to avoid these safety violations and citations, basically all the people who are employed by the mine are going to lose their job. So Joe and his son decide they're going to get proof of these safety violations before the mine gets closed and get that proof to the federal government so that the mine can be taken care of, can be fixed up, 
the safety violations can be taken care of, the company can be penalized, but no one loses their job. And the, you know, yay, everyone's okay, except for the mine owners who are corporate bad guys who care for nothing but themselves and money, which, you know, that's not uncommon. It's a trope, and it's a trope that we find here in the human fly. The company, in keeping with their trope, have hired a man named Mr. Maddox, though. Mr. Maddox is planning to just straight up murder Joe and his son in the mine. Uh, he's going to use TNT to do it, which will actually cause the mine to have to be shut down because of that accident. Which, you know, there's there's certain snags in the logic of the plan here, but not enough to cause anyone to say, I'm not going to go with this. It's a short story. It's 17 pages. Human Fly sees Maddox leave. He sees Maddox has a gun in his pocket, and he sees Maddox has uh, ill intention in his body language. And so he gets a feeling something's going wrong. He gets his team together. They jump in their van, and they chase Mr. Maddox, who is chasing Joe and his son. They get to the mine. Joe and his son are already inside, getting ready to take pictures and stuff like that. Maddox has already strung up some of the TNT. Human Fly runs past Maddox into the mine to go and stop Joe and his his son, Ted. Uh, Ted is uh, Human Fly's mechanic with two prosthetic hands. He tackles Maddox, and they grapple with each other before Maddox can uh, activate the, 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 the explosives. Unfortunately for Ted, Mr. Maddox throws Ted back. Ted lands on the plunger handle thing. And the TNT goes off. Human Fly, Joe, and his son are inside. Human Fly finds Joe and his son. They're trapped. You know, some of these cross beams have fallen. And so using the same technique as his dive from before, he jumps off from a high point, lands on the cross beam just enough to lodge it up in the air so that they can get Joe's father or, or get Joe. Uh, so Joe's son can pull Joe out. I think Joe's son is named Joe. Um, I flipped through the comic a couple times to try and track down Joe's son's name, and I it was a little confusing, but I think they're both named Joe, you know, kind of a Joe Jr., Joe Sr. kind of a situation. Anyway, from this point out, we are watching a survival story. Human Fly is trying to keep the younger Shields boy, keep his spirits up. Uh, Joe, the older, the elder, the senior the father, he's unconscious. He's very, very hurt. So they have to drag him through. They have to pull themselves through, through small areas of the mine. And, and they finally get to a, an, an escape route where they are able to get outside. And of course, then, you know, you have your happy ending where the corporate guys get their comeuppance. The, oh, that's the other thing is that during this whole time, um, the corporate guys are uh, confronting uh, human flies team and they've turned on their radio. And so as the corporate guys are confronting human flies teams and saying, it doesn't matter, you know, we're going to give you our, our plan because we're just going to kill you anyway. Some of the miners back at the, at the, uh, the, the fair are listening to their radios in their trucks. And it actually goes like this. What you picking up, Roy? I don't know. I thought it was a radio play, a mystery show. But that there is Mr. Dukas' voice. 
talking about killing the human fly and his crew. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, they're, uh, they're going to kill the human fly and his crew, but because they heard that, all of the miners end up at the mine. Of course, there's now evidence, there's witnesses, and everyone's okay from inside. Human fly walks out with the two people, and the, <laughs> they, the way it all goes down then is they found a new seam of coal from the blast of TNT, and the mine is going to stay open safely because they're going to be able to get it taken care of and have the inspectors come. And yeah, everyone lives happily ever after except for the uh, the corporate the corporate guys and their goons. And yeah, it ends with <laughs> Fly's manager saying, "You're a hero, Fly. Again, we all are teammates." Except me, says Ted. Next time I'll look before I sit down on a detonator. Why not, 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 to uh, steal from my friend Steve from Strangers and Aliens. <laughs> but, um, so a couple thoughts about this issue of the human fly. Um, basically, dark as a dungeon. You know, I've read comics that have gotten... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Claustrophobic. This was not one of them, except for one point. I actually had a little bit of a physical reaction as they're like going through the mine. They come to a part where they have to go underwater and they don't know how long they're going to be going underwater. They just have this place where uh, the the top has fallen down and they have to go under that into the shaft. But the shaft has been filled with water and they have to swim horizontally across until they can come out in the air. They have no choice other than to do this. And so it's really tense for me because you have the hurt younger guy, you have the human fly, and then you have the unconscious Joe. They're pulling Joe unconscious through the water. That really bothered me. Uh, the other thing that bothers me is that whole high dive idea. Once I found out how real it was, I mean, I knew it was a real thing, but I didn't know how extreme they were taking this. And then watching that video on YouTube, that that freaked me out. But the way the art worked, it was actually really a nice sequence of the way he's jumping out. He's thinking as he's jumping. The people aren't impressed because it's a stunt they've seen before. But then he goes under the water and there's a spring loaded kind of thing under the water. Again, some of the physics here doesn't exactly work for me. Something spring loaded underneath water launching you out of the water. It seems to me that... um because of the water itself, that spring-loaded platform that would push him up would really have to have a lot of force because it's pushing up against the water. But it does, and it launches him up into the air. And the splash page where he's jumping, yeah, it's okay. But when he's launched into the air, yeah, I like that. It was kind of cool. And then they show him, and I'm like, oh, he actually launches himself way back up to the platform. And so, yeah, kind of ridiculous. Yeah, kind of silly. Yeah. You know what? That's the first scene, and I'm saying to myself, hey, that's not bad. That's not bad. Another semi-positive reaction that I had was Ted getting knocked back down on the ground, hits the, the detonator for the explosives, and sets off the TNT. That poor guy. I mean, it's just a – it seems kind of – it's a surprising scene to see the good guy cause such a horrible thing to happen now it's not that the good guy caused it but normally you wouldn't put your hero in a situation where it's the hero who accidentally you know is a part of of that horrible thing 
And then, uh, oh, and there's no Ms. White. Uh, she's not in this issue, and I don't know when she'll be coming back. Overall, though, this whole thing is kind of harmless. You know, it's not terrible. It's not so bad that it's good, but it's also not so bad that it's bad. It's a pretty much middle-of-the-road issue, and not enough of a diversion, and I actually kind of enjoyed some of the beats that happen here in the story. There are some ridiculous moments, like all the guys turning on their radios and just happening to hear the bad guys with their plan. You know, it's Scooby-Doo-ish, and it's 8 o'clock action adventure hour, you know, prime time on a Friday night, maybe. I could see this really being kind of, I mean, this is a Knight Rider story. This is an A-Team story. It really reminds me of the A-Team with the union element because the A-Team used to help, you know, the common man. And you have the, the union here. And, you know, it's timely, too. I'm, there were, you know, a, a couple mining accidents in the 70s. I shouldn't say a couple. There, there were a couple mining disasters in the 70s here in the United States. And I know that there were some miners uh, who went on strike in the 70s. And so it would have been a, a timely issue to be, dealing with here and maybe the unions more so even than the coal mining but yeah it's it's harmless it's it's not bad not great if this you know was a comic in your collection read it if you need something to read and you want something that's not going to make you you know throw it across the room in in anger now to flypapers the letters page uh, they make an announcement here. It says, as we said somewhere, probably last issue, but you know how our memories are. This issue of The Human Fly would contain some exciting new announcements about our very real superhero. And it did. Last issue did have that. I remember from last issue. It says, first, on October 7th, 1977, The Fly attempted to set a world's record by rocket cycle leaping over 26 consecutive school buses. In a comics first, we'll be bringing you that story taken from real life right here in this mag next month. Secondly, also in Human Fly number 11, the Human Fly himself will be making a startling announcement of his own. That's right. We don't want to give it away, but the man himself will be giving you a hint about his own plans for the future on the very last page of our very next issue. Thirdly, but not least, we've actually begun work on a photo feature to be printed here in a few months. Not only does it feature the fly himself, but also his assistant and those zoological wonders that inhabit the Marvel bullpen. So stick with us, pilgrims. The very best is yet to come. And then as far as the letters go, um, it's a lot of the same kind of thing where, you know, we don't want to see him go up against supervillains. We want to see him go up against regular problems. And in this issue absolutely fits that mold and it wasn't terrible so print that on the on, on the uh collected edition of the human fly you know the the marvel omnibus human fly ben avery comic book time machine it wasn't terrible now they'd be taking it out of context because there have been some issues that have been terrible but this isn't one of them. So where do we go from here? Well, we go from someone doing a deep dive into a shallow pool to someone who's going to be doing a lot of swimming in a much deeper place like the ocean. That's right, man from Atlantis. Issue number five. That's what we'll be talking about in our next segment. So to all you coal miners out there, to all of you other people who have other jobs that's not coal mining, I want to say thank you so much for listening. And if you are reading The Human Fly, if you have any experience with coal mining or with shallow pool, deep 
high diving. No, shallow pool high diving. Yeah, that's it. If you have any experience with any of that stuff, please let us know. Send me an email. All that information that's coming at you during the end of music, you can use that to, to write to us. And until next time from, from me here at the Comic Time Machine, thanks for listening and Godspeed. Thanks for listening to the Comic Book Time Machine's Marvel's Cosmic Comics feed. You can find more discussion of many, many more comics like Superman and Spider-Man, What Ifs and Elseworlds, The Six Million Dollar Man and Batman, comics seven days old and seven decades old, on our main feed, which you can find on iTunes or at comicbooktimemachine.com. We'd also love it if you join us on Facebook at facebook.com or on Twitter, where we are at Comic Time. Next episode, The Return of Scorba, The Ray of Red Death, Man from Atlantis, Issue 5. Okay, doing the new promo. Do not say take the dare. Do not say take the dare. Okay, go. Hello, darling. Nice to see ya. It's me, J. David Weeder, the Conway Twitty of podcasting. But please call me Dave. I host a show called Dave's Daredevil Podcast, where I talk about Marvel's Man Without Fear and Netflix superstar Daredevil. But I'm here to tell you that things have changed. Don't worry, I've still got more hornhead goodness than you can shake a billy club at and a desperado love for Daredevil. And episodes of the show still come out each and every Sunday. But now, Dave's Daredevil Podcast is part of the Two True Freaks Podcast Network. That's right, the show can now be found at twotruefreaks.com, home of Earth's mightiest podcasts. And if you haven't tried the show before, I see the want to in your eyes. So take the time to check out Dave's Daredevil Podcast, because sometimes you need a podcaster with a slow hand. Dave's Daredevil Podcast, every Sunday at Two True Freaks. Dot com. Take the dare. I have no self-control.